Thank you for listening to the Maranatha Fellowship Podcast. We hope this message will inspire, challenge, and encourage you to grow closer to Christ. If you're in the Anchorage area, we invite you to be our guest during our morning Sunday worship service at 11 a.m. For directions, or if you would like more information about us, please visit akmaranatha.com. All right, it's good to have David and Larray Pepper with us, and uh, David's going to come and share uh, the word and uh, I hope you'll give him a wonderful reception, and let's uh, listen for what God would say to our hearts today. David, come. Yeah, it's always a privilege to unpack the scriptures and the word of God. Um, just want to say a little thing on that last story I was sharing about the Valley of the Avary. You might wonder, well, how are you working in that region it's because we set up shop right where all these tribal people come out that aren't the uncontacteds and where they do trade in Atalaya del Norte, Brazil. And we've done ministry there. They've gotten saved. And now with this relationship with some of the chiefs, through their invitation, we, ha- we are allowed to go into these two main rivers that flow out of the Valley of the Avari, which go into the Avari River, into the Amazon. And so I'm really looking forward. This just happened in this last year about five six months ago and so our evangelists are able to go in there now and we're doing active work on these rivers and i'm really looking forward uh hopefully within the next seven eight months to get there myself i've been right on the edge of it and to go into this area and god is doing amazing things so i want to i felt in my heart today to share on transitioning well and i'm going to title this sermon follow the ark And we're going to get to that in a minute in the book of Joshua because we go through so many changes in life and transitions. And my concern is that in those transitions, there's so much emotions that we face. And they're not always the good emotions. They can be negative emotions. And if we get stuck in those negative emotions, it can stop us from being a conduit of the blessing of God, of the kingdom of God, and living this amazing life that God calls us to live. And so, you know, Jesus never said that the truth would be painless, but he did say it will set you free, amen? Life brings a lot of changes, and for my wife and I, about a year ago, we went from zero grandkids to ten grandkids in four years. I've got a picture of this we'll put on the screen for you. I mean, it is crazy, and so... We were, we were living our best lives, you know, empty nesters. We got married young, had our kids young. Uh, we were just living the dream down in the state of Washington. Uh, and then we travel. We're gypsies. We're just, I have to be in Peru and on the road and many states uh, around the lower 48 and down in the colonies, you know, those people down there. And, um, and then up here in Alaska with all the churches we're connected to. But we really sensed in our heart that God wanted us to really pour into this next generation as much as possible. And so we sold our house in Washington and we relocated over this last year back to Alaska. We still have a lot of our stuff in storage down there because we haven't gotten a house yet or built a house yet. We're living in a little mother-in-law apartment in our youngest daughter's house. And so that's, that's a good transition. I mean, I did grieve some of the things in Washington that I loved and the ease of travel. Now I'm having to fly on red eyes all the time just to get somewhere to preach. But, but 
mostly it's good emotion that we face. You know, we're, we're excited to pour in and to bless and to love these grandkids. And, uh, and so we're going to talk about change and transition. But I heard the Lord tell me, he said, remind them, first of all, that I, the Lord God, do not change. I am always a faithful God. My mercies come every morning and they are new. And my love endures forever. And so he is a God that does not change. And we've been so blessed to be connected to Maranatha Fellowship for so many years. And one of the values I love about this church, and Pastor Luke and Janie have have really made this be a big thing, is this is a presence-driven church. This is all about the manifest presence of Jesus Christ. And in the New Testament, there are two words that are... uh, from the Greek that are translated as time. One is chronos and one is kairos. And if you've been in the church a while, maybe you've heard of this. Chronos is quantitative. It's what time? Pastor Luke, what time do you want me at the church for the church service to start? He said, David, get here at 1045. Church starts at 11. It is time. It is a timeline. It is, honey, where are you at as you're driving at 315 p.m.? And what do you mean where I'm at? I'm driving around. Uh, you were supposed to pick up the kids at school at 3 o'clock. And right then, your soul leaves your body and hovers for a while because you know uh, mama ain't happy with you forgetting the kids. That's chronos. Kairos is qualitative. It is the appointed time and the purpose of God. Kairos time is the time when God acts. It's the time full of pregnant possibility. It is a moment. And my prayer is that all of us here today, we would have a moment with God in this time of gathering, in the fellowship, in the worship, in the hearing of the Word of God. Paul and Jesus both love this Word, and they use it when they speak. And when Paul writes, Romans 9.9, Paul writes, For this was how the promise was stated. At the appointed time, at the Kairos time, I will return, and Sarah will have a son. With Kronos, we count our years, but with Kairos, we make our years count. We're in a Kairos moment in the kingdom of God, a time where many are getting a revelation of God instead of just information about God, a time where people are experiencing the grace and the goodness, and I can see it, so many new faces, and when I look out here, I can tell you, Pastor Luke, I see Jesus in the eyes of so many that are here today, and my prayer is that you would have a timeless moment with God today. You know, most of us were not limited by big devils but we're limited by bad God concepts. And in a time of transition, Isaiah writes, and Isaiah saw God in the year that King Uzziah died, one of the most prosperous kings of the nation. He'd been a leader for 52 years in the country, and he dies, and it's a major time of transition. And Isaiah has this revelation. He gets caught up and he sees the very throne room of God and the seraphim, these creatures, flying around, and they're crying out, Holy Holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Holy simply means that there is no one like Him. There is no one that is equal to Him. My prayer is that we would get a glimpse of God in His glory, in His holiness. There's also a strong core value here for having missional community. And what we do, we do together. We do it as the people of God. It's what Paul calls our mutual faith. There is no personal destiny outside of corporate destiny. Actually, most of the pronouns in the New Testament are in the plural form. And 
and the Greek, and we don't see that when we just read it in English at times, like Philippians 1, 6, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in not just you individually, but it's in the South, they would say, in y'all, in all of y'all. It's in all of you. And he'll carry it on to the completion of the day of Christ Jesus. Or Philippians 2, 5, let this mind be in y'all, which was in Christ Jesus. Or Colossians 1, 27, Paul talking about the mystery of the gospel. And, you know, the law, there was no mystery to the law. It was a set of rules and regulations, no mystery to it. And Paul says the mystery is Christ in y'all, the hope of glory. You know, it's so tragic when Christians don't realize the blessing that comes from a faith community like this. And if you're new here today and and you walked in here and there's things in your life and issues you're dealing with, I want to tell you, you are in a good place. Every one of us have had our issues. There's more issues here today than Time Magazine over the last century. And you're in a good place because grace and hope will be extended to you. And, And there's power in who you are with each other as the body and the family of Christ. You know, some of us older generation might remember the story in 1990 of Danny Simpson in Ottawa, Canada, when he took his, fa- his the family gun and he went into a bank after casing the joint for a week in Ottawa and held it up, and he leaves with $6,000. Well, he wasn't too bright because uh, the law enforcement solved, you know, they noticed he was the guy coming in every day before he masked up. And they found him pretty quickly with the gun and with the $6,000. What Danny didn't realize was the gun he went in with was a 1918 semi-automatic 45 pistol made by the Ross Rifle Company, an antique, a very rare gun, valued at $100,000. He didn't know what he possessed, what the family possessed. He went in and he got $6,000 and did six years in jail because of it, but he had a $100,000 gun in his hand. And tragically, Pastor Luke, when I used to pastor Wasilla, there were way too many Danny Simpsons in the church, not knowing who they were in God and what they possessed in the family of God and the strength that they can receive and the blessing and the value. And so there's, I realize there's relationships I need in order to transition well. And, and there's five types of transitions and three of them I want to challenge you with to be intentional with. I've got some pictures of this. <clears throat> and uh, you'll just have to go down a bunch of slides, I think. There's a picture of my dad. And this first group of, of, uh, of relationships that we need, I call them very resourceful people. Very resourceful people. And uh, these are fathers. These are mothers. These are coaches. I glean from them. When they speak, when I get around them, their passion does something inside of me. It ignites me. And, and they've gone further than I have in my walk with the Lord. They've journeyed further. And Uh, You know, there's never a point that you get to where you finally arrived on this planet. This is a photo of my dad last summer in uh, Peru, going down on his own dime, bringing in our evangelists to minister to them for three days, wrote another leadership book to give to them, and... You know, he, he's, he's gone further than I, ha- than I have. Him and my mom, they're like the farmer's insurance commercial. You know, they've, uh, they know a thing or two because they've seen a thing or two. And, uh, and a picture of my mom, she was down there at the same time, 82 years old and leading the women in dancing. Man, the Spirit of God got a hold of her and she jumped out of her seat and 
I'm like, Mom, what are you doing, you know? And, and she's leading them and dancing. And these are people that uh, they inspire me. A man that's been a pastoral coach to me, Hal Santos, got a picture of him. Uh, we do devotions five days a week, and we meet up in person, even though he's, he was living in St. Louis, Missouri. And, and uh, you know, we meet up and get together. We're on the phone, and, and we do life together. And these are people that I need in my life. Second group of people, I call them very important people. These are brothers, sisters in the faith. These are not necessarily people that have gone further than me, but we're in the trenches together. It's the kind of person you need. You need a brother that can look at you and say, hey, what you're doing is destroying your life. Knock it off, repent of that, and come back to Jesus. We need friendships like this, very important people. I loved, I've taken actually Pastor Luke out rafting before on the Chalitna River, and I love to take these pastors on these trips and spending days together and talking shop. I got another picture of this with some of the guys. You sit around the campfire and pray for one another and hear each other's burdens and stories. And then this also would include our spouses, a picture of my wife, a very, the most important person on this planet to me as we do life together. Then a third group of people, I call them very teachable people, people that I help, people that receive from me, people that, uh, you know, they get inspired when they're around me. And there's some of those grandkids. And I was down in Homer, Alaska, and man, they had learned the song, Brother Noah Built the Ark. And we sang that deal for over an hour as the animals went up on the ark and back off the ark and back up the ark. And, uh, you know, and it's a blessing to have people like that in our lives. Some of our uh, young ministers in Peru are guides and interpreters, and, and they look to me to have input into their lives. And I need people like this in my life that I can pour out and inspire them. And I want to challenge you to focus on those three areas because there's a couple of other groups you can have. One group I call Facebook likers, you know. They're, they're, you're just going to have a casual relationship. They're likers. There's nothing wrong with it, but it's not going to be that journey of deepness. And, you know, that's the person that comes up after Pastor Luke gives a message. And, oh, Pastor, what a great message, man. Those scriptures were great. And Pastor Luke says, well, hey, what scripture spoke to you? Oh, you know all of them, all the scriptures. Oh, hey, I got to go get my kid from the class, and I got to go, Pastor. And Facebook likers, I mean, they're good people, but then there's what I call life suckers. Man, these people drain the energy and all of the passion out of your soul. It's like they are assigned to war against the anointing in your life and just your passion in your life. And I want to tell you, the first three, those intentional relationships we should have, when we give time to that and our energy and our resource, we are investing in their lives. With the other two, you're just spending your money. And the thing is this, with an investment, there's always the hope of a return, right? Like Solomon says, cast your bread on the water. He was sending out the ships to the places around and laden with things that they would come back with other treasures. And so we want to have a life where we are investing in these relationships in the family of God. And so, finally, Joshua chapter 1. We're going to get to this uh, part of the message, and in the next about 20 minutes, we'll try to unpack this. The backdrop of Joshua 1 is that Israel as a nation has been wandering for 40 years because of rebelling when the 12 spies went in, and they came back, and, uh, and two of the spies gave a victorious report. Hey, we can take the land, Joshua and Caleb, and the other 10 spies said, no, we are grasshoppers in their eyes, and Caleb said, hey, no, we're not grasshoppers. They're going to be bread for us. All the stuff they have is going to become ours because of the God we serve. But 
the children of Israel didn't listen to Joshua and Caleb. They listened to the other ten guys, and they tried to promote a leader and want to go back to Egypt, and then God shows up on the scene and speaks, and they end up wandering for 40 years in the wilderness till all of the men that had come out of Egypt die, except for Joshua and Caleb. So they're on the precipice. They are right on the River Jordan, about to enter into the Promised Land, and and the people that are there, they're just the kids that came out of Egypt and the desert babies that were born in the desert that have now grown up. And imagine being Joshua and Caleb and having to spend 40 years in the wilderness because of all the other knuckleheads you're hanging out with. Imagine that and keeping a right heart. And so they're going to enter into the promised land, the land of Canaan. What is Canaan? The better question is, who was Canaan? Canaan was the son of Ham who... Canaan gets cursed because of what Ham does and going in and seeing his father's nakedness. And there was something that was very dishonoring about that. Different theologians debate what that was. But Canaan gets cursed. And it's amazing the things that are in the B-I-B-L-E, isn't it? (laughs) The stories. Man, a lot of this I would have never put in there. But it's there for us to learn and glean from, right? And I'm glad it's there because it gives me hope in my life. And I think it gives you hope in your life. And so Canaan gets cursed and... Where he lives become known as the land of Canaan, the land that was cursed. But now God says this is the new promised land. God calls cities and places that were once cursed the promised land. Think about that for a moment. And maybe you're here today and you say, man, David, there's things that have been cursed in my life. I want to tell you, God will raise somebody up and say, you know what? There is milk and honey for you in your life. There is an inheritance in Christ that you can have. Somebody needs to hear this today. Where there was shame in your life, there can be freedom. Where there was sin, there can now be new life with Jesus for all eternity. Where there's been guilt, there is forgiveness where there was hate and anger there can be love and peace without passing in your life where there's been sickness there will be healing joshua chapter 1 verses 1 to 9 i'll read from the esv and then joshua 3 1 to 6 in the niv after the death of moses the servant of the lord the lord said to joshua the son of nun moses assistant moses my servant is dead Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, you and all the people into the land that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel, every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon I have given to you. Just as I promised to Moses from the wilderness and this Lebanon as far as the great river, the great, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause the people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous. Do you see the repetitiveness of what's happening here? Being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it, for then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? (laughs) Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And then Joshua 3, 1 to 6 
Early in the morning, Joshua and all the Israelites set out from Shittim and went to the Jordan where they camped before crossing over. After three days, the officers went throughout the camp, giving orders to the people. When you see the ark carrying it, you are to move out from your position and follow it. Then you will know which way to go since you have never been this way before. But keep a distance of about 2,000 cubits between you and the ark. Do not go near it. Joshua told the people, consecrate yourselves for tomorrow. The Lord will do amazing things among you. And Joshua said to the priests, take up the Ark of the Covenant and pass on ahead of the people. So they took it up and went ahead of them. Let's just pray over the scriptures. Heavenly Father, I thank you for our text today and this story of great transition and uh, the life of Israel as a nation. And God, I pray that you would speak to us both individually and corporately. God, that we would fulfill our purpose on this earth and give you all the glory and all the praise. In Jesus' name, Maranatha says... Amen. The ark was a wooden box made from acacia wood, and it was coated in gold. Inside of it was Aaron's rod that had budded, was the Ten Commandments, and a jar of manna was inside of it. Uh, Covered in gold, it had the two cherubim facing each other with their arms outstretched. And although they were facing each other, the face of the cherubim were looking down at the top of the Ark of the Covenant called the Mercy Seat. And that tells me that when we are in relationship with one another, if we can just look through the mercy of God as we face someone else, we can have the relationships that God wants us to have in this faith community. And so I see in this, there is a new day. In this transition, it's a new day. Moses is gone. Four words that will forever shift the course of your history when God speaks. Now, therefore, arise and go. And the question isn't always what's next, but who's next. The who might be a different person going from Moses to Joshua. It also can be a new you like it was with Peter after he had denied the Lord and he gets restored. And then on the day of Pentecost, he gets filled with the Holy Spirit. And Peter becomes a changed man as he stands up with boldness and preaches with clarity and authority, and more than 3,000 men get saved. For Israel, the new man was Joshua. At this crucial time in transition, God says some things to Joshua, the man, and also to the nation of Israel. And he says to Joshua, I will be with you. God says, I'm not going to leave you. As I was with Moses, I will be with you. With you and some of you are going through some very significant transitions in your life. And some of those you can feel very lonely. And I want to remind you here this morning that God will always be with you. He is Emmanuel. God with us. And I believe some of us today, we need to experience what I call the withness of Jesus. That's not a word, but uh, the withness of Jesus, the Emmanuel of God. Remember, there's no personal destiny outside of corporate destiny. And and so God speaks, and another thing he says is, you are going to be courageous. There has to be courageous persistence. Why this repeated command to to have courage? Over and over again, we see it in what we read. It's because it takes courage to follow God. Amen? We know that this life we live, it's nothing by our own strength. It was grace that we received that activated faith, and that faith activates courage. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. God didn't say without a worship CD or without a good sermon. He said without faith, it's impossible to please God. And Faith activates courage. 
Courage is not the absence of fear. It's not, uh, it's none of that, but it's facing your fears and, and running into your fears and confronting those fears and to have courage where you've never gone before and for fear to be done away with. It doesn't need to be rebuked. It must be replaced with something else. And that is the spirit of God within us that then can dispel that fear. And so we need to replace fear with faith and courage in the Holy Spirit. You know, many times when you're, you're called to do something that you've never done before, it takes courage, doesn't it? Man, some of you, the first time when you were a kid, right, and you tried to ride that bike and it was wobbly and, and you know, you had, to, you had to get on there and there had to be some courage that it could be done. If you wait until you're 100% certain that uh, you're going to accomplish something that you've never done before, you're never going to do it because you have to step out in faith. You know, all of us, we should be vision casters for our lives and for our families. And there's three things I think about every year when I cast personal vision for myself. I ask these questions. What is probable in the ministry of Amazon Outreach and MEPI and all the, you know, with Kingdom Alliance helping us, all the churches they built? What is probable for the next year? Well, it's very probable that there's going to be a group come from Maranatha and there'll be another about 25 to 30 groups come to Peru and we're going to continue to have Bible Academy students and people will get saved. And Well, what is possible? Well, it's possible that we're going to wrap up the big projects we're doing right now at both of those academies. And, and, and you know, that's possible. I can see that happening. But the third area is what is impossible. And so many times we keep this out of our vision casting. What is impossible unless God shows up and does the miracle? And so I have to begin then to say, okay, Lord, what dreams are you putting in that there's no way this could be done? There's no way this could happen. And, and God started speaking to me in 2023 that, uh, about our Peruvian people starting to step up with resource themselves and for the resource financially to double over the next year. I mean, without God, that is impossible. The church here is embarking on some projects, right? I mean, we got some projects going on that are well needed and I'll tell you what, knowing from the meetings, uh, we can have all our best strategies, right? But we know as leaders, we need God to show up and do the impossible for what needs to be accomplished, amen? And so we have to cast vision, and I'm ready to go into a season of life I've never been before, and to see these grandchildren of mine grow up in the grace and the truth of Jesus. You know, when things are bad, transitions aren't so difficult, you know? (laughs) (laughs) when you get yourself in a mess and you need help, right? Man, that transition is a lot, uh, it's pretty easy. But when things are going pretty good, you know, and you're coasting along and it's time for a transition, it, it it can be more challenging, right? Because life is good. And life was good for the children of Israel. I mean, this was 2 million people, these desert babies. It's most of them, that is all they had ever known. They were experiencing the miracles of God Every day, the fire by night, right? The, they had lights, you know, electricity right there, the fire, the warmth. And then by day, they had their own built-in air conditioner, the cloud, to cover them as they walked. And, and their, the Bible says their, their shoes never wore, their sandals never wore out. I mean, God was doing something. I mean, uh, and I don't think they had 50 or 60 shoes like some of y'all in your closets at home, you know? And hey, I'm, I know I've got a hunting boot fetish, so, you know, I mean, just take it careful on the hunting guys, all right? But we'll slam the ladies with all their shoes today, all right? So, 
But, I mean, their shoes didn't wear out, and manna was given. I mean, uh, food from heaven was given. But the day that they had to enter the promised land, what happened? The miracles stopped. The deal is this. You can be experiencing miracles of God, but if there is a land of promise you're going to walk into, you have to have the courage to step out and go into the land of promise. They were living their constant miracles, but they had not entered the land of promise. What transitions are you going through in your life? Now, I want to say this, and I, I've got a graphic on this. I want you to see. They can pull up for you. But change and transition are two different things. Change is the external situation that becomes different. Transition is the internal and psychological process people must go through to adjust to the change. Change is a child is born. It's the child graduating high school. It's the day you get your driver's license. Remember that? I just had to go back and take the test again when I came back to Alaska, of all things. And, man, I was sweating bullets because I remember when I was 16 years old, back in whatever that was, 1981 or 2 or or 14 years old, 1980 or 81, getting my permit for the first time in Palmer, Alaska, and I failed the test and had to come back again. Man, I was like, I can't fail this time. And, man, thank the Lord, somehow I passed it. And, you know, it's, it's those moments like that. It's the day that a loved one dies. It's those things that happen, those significant times. But transition is the emotions that you have to, you have to walk through, and, and you've got to understand those. And, you know, a loved one dies, and the transition is the grieving process of that person, that, that spouse or that friend of yours that is gone, and, and you don't want to get stuck in bitterness and anger and resentment and pride and loneliness, and fear. And so I would, I would encourage you, when you're going through something like that, grieve well, and make sure to be committed to get through the transition. You see why God tells Joshua, be strong and courageous. Life is about to change as you know it. There's new challenges of faith, and as you go through a, a transition, a transition actually always begins with an ending. <laughs> it begins with an ending. You know, someday... Might be another 20 or 30 years, there'll be a day when Pastor Luke is going to transition into another role at some point, you know. And, uh, you know, if Jesus doesn't return before then, and, um, and that day will come, and, and that's going to be a challenge for this church family because many of you, he'll have been the pastor, the only pastor you've ever known. And, and when those things happen, we have to transition through, and it begins with an ending. We have to know that there was a loss, there's a change happening before we can embrace the new beginnings. Some of you in jobs, some of you in work, some of you in relationships, friendships, you're going through transition. And I want to challenge you to go through those transitions well and to grieve the losses that have happened and and then to move out into those new beginnings. You know, we can never allow the past to become our whipping post or our prison. This newer generation, the millennials, not the newest, but the millennial generation, man, they love to beat up the past like more than any generation before, man. They just want to make it a whipping post. Everything is wrong. Everything wasn't good enough. And you know how that goes in the world. Now, with Christ, it's different. But uh, And I want to challenge you, don't do that. And also, don't make it your prison. Don't hang on to, oh, if we could just go back to the good old days when there wasn't a building project. If we could just go back to just singing all those good old hymns and all those things from 20, 30 years ago. 
What people forget is, man, 20, 30 years ago, I was here. We were fighting a lot of devils. There was a lot of battles going on back in the... It wasn't all, you know, roses and, and just, you know, happiness and peace. There was battles to fight back then, just like there are today, and challenges that need courage. Embrace where God is taking you and to move in, even if it's radically different like it was for the children of Israel coming out of the desert. Everything they'd known with the miracles, now they're going to have to go in and they're going to have to kick out the inhabitants. They're going to have to go to war, go to battle to possess the promised land. And so they had to follow the ark. The ark went across the Jordan River first, and, and we have to follow the presence of God, the ark of God. We have to follow Jesus and allow his influence in our life. And we need people in our lives. That coach of mine, Hal Santos, about a year ago, I was dealing with this big project in Peru, and he talks to me, you know, every week, and he's like, David, I kind of feel like you're kind of a little stressed out and got some anxiety going on. I'm like, what are you talking about, Pastor Hal? Anxiety, stress, what are you talking about? I'm not anxious or nothing. And he's like, you know, could you just humor me and read a book with me called Managing Leadership Anxiety? I'm like, what? That is the stupidest name I've ever heard of, man. I didn't like the whole thing from the beginning. I thought it was going to be just a bunch of quick principles and he said, just do it with me. I was like, all right, because you asked, I'll do it. I'll tell you what, I got into that book, and man, the Holy Spirit used some of the things in this book to slay some dragons in my heart and to show me some areas of why I was allowing internal anxiety and also external anxiety from other people. We need each other as we go into the promised land, and we have to process through the transition. And so many people get held up with fear. They, they limit themselves and they don't see the God opportunities at a very moment of crisis. How many remember Blockbuster? Some of you remember Blockbuster? Man, I remember Blockbuster, and uh, remember they had those late fees? Our daughter, Larissa, our daughter, man, we, she one time too many with the late fees, and came back, I said, you know what, that's it, you're out, you're out of the family, you're gone. No, we're like, you're off the family membership, you're going to get your own. Uh, it was just... Uh, she just could not get those movies back on time. And and there was one guy back in the 90s that he get $40 of late fees, and they wouldn't, they wouldn't clear his record. And he got so mad, him and his friend, they came up with an idea, and they started their own business with subscriptions where you could keep the movies for a month without late fees. A little business by the name of Netflix. A few years later, Netflix started growing, and... The subscription thing was happening and just on the horizon of where streaming would take place. And the CEO of Blockbuster was noticing this Netflix kind of taking a pretty big market share and went to the whole board for Blockbuster and said, hey, I think we need to get into the subscription business. Well, Blockbuster at that time was doing $5 billion a year. $800 million of their revenue was from the late fees. And the board said, we can't, 20% of what we make, we can't give up the late fees. We're not doing it. Guess how many blockbusters there are today in the world? There's one. I've been there. It's in Bend, Oregon. And by the way, don't go there for the nostalgia of seeing the blockbusters. Way better things to do in Bend, Oregon than go to the blockbuster and get your photo with it. What I'm telling you is they, they, that CEO, he saw what was happening and he could not influence the others to start to make the changes that needed to happen to come through a transition in life and with all that was out there with technology. And so many times as the people of God, we get stuck 
and we don't allow courage to arise to follow the ark of God into the new promised land that he has for you and I. Don't get stuck in the the transition. Man, this church has had definitely changes over the years, you know, since it was first founded. And we read in this passage where God says to them to consecrate themselves. We have to consecrate ourselves to get through these transitions. And we've always preached consecration is is moving away from something. And that is true. But we forget to preach that it is moving towards someone. And that one is Jesus Christ and God himself. The way, the way that Moses, when he turns aside in the desert, he says, I'm going to turn aside and see this great sight. Why the bush is on fire but is not consumed. 1 Thessalonians 5, 23 and 24. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. He will do it. We got to get on our hiking shoes and get ready to enter the promised land. And by the way, if you ever go to Israel, you can see at Gilgal, where they've discovered Gilgal across the Jordan River. And it was an, uh, it was an archaeologist that was an atheist trying to disprove the Bible. And so he went to all these sites and he uncovers. And when you go there today, there is rock, on a rock pattern, there is a, the footprint of a human being where they camped at Gilgal. And this guy had to change all of his belief system because of what he discovered that's there to this day that you can see. You know, we all want to do amazing things for God, and that's good. But I want to tell you, God wants to do something amazing for us. And we just read that in Joshua 3. He wants to do something amazing for you and for me. Got this picture of Marcos Londonia. I want to put on the screen one of our apostles for the lower Amazon, right up to that three frontier area of Brazil and Colombia and Peru where they come together and uh, oversees about 15, 16 churches in that area. And we had our annual pastor's conference in December where 500 of our pastors and leaders come to gather. And he had come, and I didn't know in the morning business meeting, I wasn't at that for our MEPI leaders, um, that he was there and he couldn't give his report because he'd had a stroke a week earlier and he was paralyzed in part of his face and he couldn't speak. His wife didn't want him to come, but he was bound and determined to travel into Iquitos for the conference. And so that night I kicked off the, this whole series and we had a great group of preachers to take it from there. And I really sensed to have a time of healing and miracles for any of our leaders that just needed a significant time of healing or miracle for their physical bodies and um, or emotional states. And so a number of them came up, maybe 40 to 50 came up and and uh, I prayed everything that I could think of that could be a problem with any of them. And then we kind of disbanded our group and we laid hands on them. And as we laid hands on Marcos and the tears were streaming down his face, all of a sudden he just starts shouting and praising and worshiping God. And I didn't know what was going on, but all the people are like, you know. And so then I said, hey, I, I realize there's been some things happen here. And so we got some reports right there on the spot of testimonies and you know, arms that were working that weren't working and knees that weren't working before that were after the prayer time. And then Marcos gave his testimony. The people knew because he couldn't give his report that morning and his whole face had changed. And this is him four days later when I'm meeting with all of our apostolic evangelists and he's saying, I'm going to continue to declare the gospel of Jesus fearlessly. I'm going to use my voice as long as I'm on this earth. Somebody should give the Lord a round of applause for the miracle working power that he has. 
So as we wrap this up in Joshua 2, Joshua sends out two spies from the Israelite camp, and he instructs them, scout out the land, go to the other side, and, um, and they come to, the Bible says, Rahab, a prostitute's house, and this word is what we understand in other places, that this was her occupation. It could have been her former occupation. She still currently could have been. We don't know. Her home was built in the outer city wall. She was a lower class. It was less secure. And then Joshua 2, 8 to 11, her perspective is amazing. Before the spies went to sleep that night, Rahab, who had taken them in, she went up on the roof to talk with them. And I know the Lord has given you this land, she told them. We are all afraid of you. Everyone in the land is living in terror. For we have heard how the Lord made a dry path for you through the Red Sea when you left Egypt. And we know what you did to Sihon and Og. The two Amorite kings east of the Jordan River, whose people you completely destroyed. No wonder our hearts have melted in fear. No one has the courage to fight after hearing such things. Then the two spies came down from the hill country, crossed the Jordan River, and reported to Joshua all that had happened to them. And they said, the Lord has given us the whole land, they said, for all the people in the land are terrified of us. Interesting that Joshua only sends two spies in, because remember the last time only two came back with a good report. These guys come back with a faithful report. Hey, our enemies are living in terror. Wouldn't it be nice to know what your enemies are thinking and feeling? <laughs> the New Testament tells us this, James 2.19, it tells us that the, de- the demons tremble. In Colossians 2.15, it says that he, Jesus, has disarmed the principalities because of what he accomplished on the cross. We know what our enemy is feeling and thinking. He is terrified of Christ in you, the hope of glory. People get ready. Tomorrow you're going to see God move. We've never been this way before, but the ark of God is leading us going into the promised land. And so on Thursday, my Bible, Thursday, March 15th, 1272 B.C., in the footnotes, this is what happened. Joshua 3, 14 to 16. So the people left their camp to cross the Jordan, And the priests who were carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. It was the harvest season, and the Jordan was overflowing its banks. But as soon as the feet of the priests who were carrying the Ark touched the water at the river's edge, the water about that point began backing up a great distance away at a town called Adam, which is near Zarethan. And the water below that point flowed on to the Dead Sea until the riverbed was dry. Then all the people crossed over near the town of Jericho. And this is the thought I want to leave you with today. Our simple acts of obedience, no matter how crazy it might seem when we're following the ark, our simple acts of obedience invite God's supernatural act of deliverance. I want you to stand with me and I want to pray for you today. When you or I are in a transition and we're going through these changes, let's remember that it is a new day that God will be with us, Emmanuel. That we can allow courage to arise within us. That we can follow the ark, the presence of God, and we can consecrate ourselves anew in the Lord, in the Holy Spirit. And that as we obey the Lord, man, those supernatural acts of deliverance are going to take place. Let's just go into a time of prayer before the Lord and You can bow your head, close your eyes, lift your heads. If you're here today and you're going through changes in your life and 
and there's transition that's happening for you and your work and with your family, with relationships. Maybe even ways of how God is calling you in ministry in different spheres. If you're going through a time of transition, just slip up your hand and say, David, that's me. I need prayer. I need the help of the Holy Spirit. Thank you. I see those hands going up. Anyone else, you're going through significant times of change and transition and you want to go through the transitions well. So Lord, I... I love the story of Joshua. And Lord, what you speak in the Scripture speaks to us today. God, some of us, we've lost some significant relationships. And it can be so challenging to transition through those times well in our heart and our mind and right now God I just speak to any anger or bitterness pain from loss God would you help us grieve well and if there's bitterness that we're holding on to God I pray that you would give us that supernatural ability as we make a decision to truly release forgiveness to individuals God, for some, it's, we're stuck in fear because of the loss of a job, because of finance that is dried up. God, today I, I pray that you would fill us with hope and show us, God, where you want to take us and lead us. I pray for courage to arise, for faith to arise within our hearts and minds. God, for some of us here today, we're just holding back and something that you've deposited in us, something that's going to take a step of faith, a crossing of the Jordan into the promised land you have for us. And we're hanging on the way that Blockbuster was hanging on to something that was good from the past. But God, there's something greater that you have for us. And I pray that we could see what you have and we could let go of what you're telling us to let go of and move into the destiny that you have for each and every one of us. Holy Spirit, speak to each one of us clearly. And and I pray that you would speak to us also through our church family, through the body to confirm things and to encourage us, God, in our walk. Thank you for joining us today. If this ministry has impacted you, we would love to hear about it. You're welcome to message us at akmaranatha.com forward slash contact or message us on Facebook at Maranatha Full Gospel Fellowship. We pray you are blessed by the message and have a wonderful week.